This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Personal finance. Yes, indeed. Getting into our personal finance feature. Today, we are in conversation with Gerald Mwandiambira. Just last week, we had one of our callers uh, give us a buzz and ask, Jorge, when you find yourself in an unfortunate instance where your goods or your property is about to be repossessed, what is the proper procedure? Because the person who called us said, listen, I have a car that has been repossessed. It was valued at a certain amount. Um, I think it was still valued at about 600k the bank managed uh, to auction the vehicle and um they only sold it for about 150k so the rest of the amount they said that he is still liable for is that the right thing that needed to have happened gerald welcome to power lunch Always a pleasure, Paul, and good afternoon to all the Power FM listeners. I am brilliant, and thank you so much for joining us once again. When it comes to being in the unfortunate um, situation of having goods be repossessed, is the bank obligated to tell you, or is this one of those where one day you might just hear from the sheriff of the court? Okay, let's start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, with all financial contracts contra- in there, which, which stipulate what normally happens. Yeah. So what normally happens is that with any financial contract you have, which you pay monthly, mm-hmm. you have 90 days to bring your account into order. So normally, you can get away maximum three months missing payments. Okay. After 90 days, you are now in what they call default. That's when they will issue you um, with a default notice, Section 129 of the National Credit Act, mm-hmm. a default notice. When you're in default, it means you're now in breach of contract. Okay. And once, after 90 days, you're now in default, what then happens is the person you owe money then can go and approach the court to issue a summons for you to appear in court and explain why you are not paying for your contract. Okay. Um, a summons will then be delivered at your re- at your residence. Mm-hmm. It's suppo- the summons is supposed to be received by the person who's got the credit agreement or someone in the house needs to sign for it. Once the summons is issued, you then have a choice. Mm-hmm. You have the option to do what they call a notice to defend. Okay. A notice to defend, you get another 20 days for you to tell the court, I'm going to come to court and I'm going to speak for myself and explain why I haven't been able to pay or make an arrangement with the with the company which you owe. Yeah. Now, that's the first point most people make mistakes in that when they're given that opportunity after the summons, most people do nothing. They're just in panic mode. Mm-hmm. And then they allow the 20 days to finish. Yeah. After the 20 days, if you have not approached the court or replied through the attorneys of the person who's issued the summons, the court will issue what they call a default court judgment. Okay. Default court judgment meaning we tried to get all of you, you never bothered to turn up. So by default, the person who is suing you or wants their money back has the right to get their money back. And then at that point, you then get listed and the default, and then at that point, it's too late. It's really a situation where you, you now have an adverse credit history. So now, wait, wait, the- wait, Gerald. You mm-hmm. are saying that I receive a summons from the sheriff of the court to appear at, uh, uh, you know, in court at a specific date, I would assume, right? 
And then uh, before that court date, I have 20 days to respond and say whether I will appear in court or not. Yes, you have 20 days from the date you receive the summons to respond to them, yes. So if, now, I, if I wait for that specific date, is it too late? Well, you have to let them know that you're coming to court. If you do not actually appear in court, they will, by default, uh-huh. The, the magistrate will, will rule in favor yeah. of the person who, or of the plaintiff who's saying that they want the, you, you know, the respondent never bothered to show up to mm. respond. Mm. So they'll issue a default notice. Now, it gets tricky when we're now talking goods, okay? Yes. Because many people are under the impression that when the bank uh, gives you motor finance, they bought you a car. They didn't. The bank gave you money. And when banks collect, they don't collect things, they collect money. Mm -hmm. The only asset the bank ever actually owns is a bond. So if it's a home loan, it's a different scenario because with a home, the bank actually owns the property. So normally that's why when homes go for auction, they actually get uh, much better prices because in, in recovering the money, the bank wants their money back for a house which they own. Yes. Now with a car, they just want to get anything they can get from that asset. And if the value they auction it at is much less, which it normally is, than what you owe, yes, you still owe the balance. So word of advice for anyone who is in that situation, if you now realize you cannot afford to maintain the installment, it's actually better for you to go to a dealership and to get that car sold because they are likely to get a better price closer to market than if it goes to auction where it's just going to be literally um, bought for next to nothing by, by, by the same dealers who you could have approached to sell it close to market. So in the case of the caller who called in last week, yes, mm-hmm. um, the bank has the right to auction the asset, recover whatever funds they can, and whatever they can't, they still, they still require those funds from you. When you say... I am allowed to, it's, it's a better option to go and sell the car myself. According to the, the, the deal that I have with the bank, am I allowed to do that? Well, remember, the car is, belongs to the, the car papers. Yes, you see, belong to the you. The car is different to a bond. The car papers, the bank retains the, the papers for transfer. Yes. When you buy a car through them. Yeah. But they don't actually own the car. They're not, it's not an asset to them. Mm-hmm. So what happens if you go to a dealership and they sell the car, they will pay the bank whatever mm-hmm. you get. Yes. Only in the instance where you actually get more than you owe will you get um, the residual amount. But normally, it's actually a better option to to voluntarily put the car up on the market for you on your own the moment you realize that you are in financial distress as opposed to letting it go all the way to auction point and at that point when it's in auction mode you know you you are not in control literally auction prices um, are usually very low because normally when cars end up going to auction um, a lot of the time people have damaged their cars, they're upset. People are they, people who have been known to take out engines and, and just be do 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 all sorts of things. So mm. when the car is, is auctioned, the people who buy assume the worst. Yes. Hence why the prices which you get from auction vehicles are normally very, very low because you don't know. Some people put sugar in the fuel tank ah. just so that they are they, they are bitter, you know, ah. against against the bank. Wow. Strange things do happen. So hence you don't want it to go that far. Mm. The best thing is, you know, whilst once you're in financial distress, 
follow the, the different options that are there. And yeah. there are a few options, you know, you can uh, you can follow, such as, you know, going for debt counseling or debt review, um, or you can also simply approach the bank, try and um, get payment holidays or reduced installments. But the last thing you can do is just keep quiet or uh, freeze due to fear um, and allow the process to go all the way to a default notice. Because by the time they come and repossess, they've got a court judgment. Yes. Because the court judgment actually says, go and get the car. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and at that point, you can't do anything about it. And what's going on these days is quite interesting in that, you know, most cars have trackers. So they actually, the bank simply tracks their own, the car, and mm-hmm. they find it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people um, have been finding that repossession actually um, over, happens a lot of the time at the mall. Mm-hmm. They actually pick up a lot of cars at malls because that's where they actually know that most people have to shop um, mm. now and again. So in, in essence, you know, the moment you're in financial distress, do the responsible thing and start communicating um, with the people who gave you money. They, yes. they gave you money. So yes. they're not interested in the value of, of, of sold assets. So what happens in instances where I never got the letter from the sheriff and whatever date, um, you know, that I'm supposed to appear in court in uh, comes and goes, who can come and take my car or is no one still allowed to come and take my okay. car? If you have not received a summons, then you don't have to... Um, if you can prove you haven't received the summons, they can't take the car because they have to appear. Okay. And even if they appear with a court order and you can prove to the court that there was no summons issued into your hands or into someone in your household, then you have a reason to, to challenge um, the repossession. Mm. But often also you need to just make sure that you haven't moved address because sometimes you have moved address and the summons go to your old address yeah. and the process is happening and you have you are totally clueless that it's happening yeah. until they actually catch you at a mall and say, give us back the car. So be careful there. What also happens is, you know, um, the banks and the financial institutions also employ collectors, mm. debt collectors. Mm. So sometimes... When you are still within that 90-day period, which you spoke about at the beginning, like you've missed one or two installments, they'll send a collector to your house. Mm. And that collector often says, you know, you can give us the car for safekeeping. And, you know, once you pay, you get the car back. When those collectors appear, you do not have to voluntarily um, give up the vehicle. You don't have to because they don't have a court order. So a lot of people are scared into giving it over. And then once you hand it over again, you are almost letting um, the process go to the next stage uh, without actually going going um, through the proper through procedure. All the so yes. I would say, you know, fight for your vehicle. You know, go through all the steps. Don't just let them say, we've come, we're going to safe keep your car. You don't have to. Safekeeping, mm. I'll safe keep it. If you've got a court order, you can get the car. Brilliant. Tommy, in four ways, you are the reason we are having this conversation. What question do you have uh, for Gerald now that you've heard all he has to say? Oh, wow. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And Paul, uh, you know, I know that I'll get help from here. But uh, Gerald, I hear everything you said. But uh, and then to add on that, um, these debt collectors, when they call you all the recovery guys, mm-hmm. they tell you that um, if this has to go through court, 
uh, and should you lose it, you're going to be paying 25,000 rand. That's how they scare us with. Because I, I surrendered my vehicle because they told me that, that, you know, I can't afford it. I'd rather surrender that, that car. And then I did that. But they threatened me that if ever this is to go to court, I'm liable to for the, for the fees from the lawyer, from their lawyer, which is 25,000 rand. Mm. And adding on that, when I got advice is that if ever I surrender the car, uh, they should value the car, how much is valued, and then they have to send the value to me and say, this car, we assess you, this is how much it's going to cost, and this is going to be our bitching point, right? And then so I've never received such communication with them. Since I dropped the car to them, the only thing that I get now is that they sold the car. I was waiting for that for, for that process whereby they put mm. the best. But remember, Tammy, as, yes. as, as Gerald said, the bank is not necessarily interested in keeping the, the asset. So they will literally try and get rid of the asset at whatever cost. So to them, right. it doesn't really matter whether they get 10 rand for it or 200 rand. They just yeah, want to I, get rid of that asset. Of, and I think you, you need to also realize that the guys or the companies who are, who are service providers for the financial institutions, the, mm. the, the collectors, they do not represent the financial institutions. They are individuals working for the bank yeah. for recovery. And a lot of the time, the system is flawed. They are the ones who are actually working with the auctioneers and other dealerships. And sometimes there have been cases which I have found, you know, where the, the actual debt collectors buy the cars back themselves and wow. resell them. So it's not a perfect system. Yeah. But all we're saying is, you know, you need to have due diligence in terms of trying to protect yourself. And yes, when they say if it goes to court, you have to pay 25000 that's only if you do not have a legitimate reason why you have not been paying. And, you know, normally if it goes to court and you offer the bank a settlement plan or a plan which is acceptable to the magistrate, the matter will end there. You do not have to know necessarily lose because, mm. you know, you, are, you have an explanation. You have a reason why mm. you ended up in default. Yeah. And if you can present a plan where you can recover, you know, then you, you actually are not in that situation where the bank will then say you have to pay the legal cost, etc. And often, even if you had to make, look at that 25000 versus what you've lost on a car for 100000 worth 600000 Yeah. You know, you'd have rather paid the 20000 and had a settlement in order mm. as opposed to losing out on almost 500000 on the value of the vehicle, yeah. which the bank is still claiming from you now. Yeah. One last question. Ed in Kempton Park. Welcome to Power Lunch. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, thanks for such a great show, man. It's really informative. I think Thank a lot you. of people need this kind of info. Thank you. Um, yeah, listen, I'm sitting in a situation where um, I'm, I, I've got a default against my name. Mm-hmm. But now I've, um, I've been in communication with the bank's lawyers right through the entire process, you know, negotiating settlement amounts and everything else. However, nowhere do I have a summons or a, uh, any kind of information that I needed to be in court on any particular date at all. Um, so I just wanted to find out what's the recourse or something like that. I mean, what, what can someone do in that situation? Okay. Um, you have the legal right to see all the communications. So normally, you know, if you... Even when you receive a summons pack, it's a lot of documents. Normally, it's a thick pile. So every email, every phone call you've ever made to the bank. Remember when, we, when I always say, don't lie to the bank. Mm, mm. <laughs> every time they called you, every time they contacted you, they record it. And on your summons pack, it's got all that information, which is why often when you go to court, you lose because 
they've got proof that they've been talking to you and you're not answering your phone 14 times. Yeah. So if you if they cannot prove to you that the summons were issued and collected by someone at your house, then already there's a huge problem because it means that you you know the the due process was not followed. Um, there was a case recently for a house which a bank had tried to repossess, and the 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 the, the, the case was thrown out of court because what happens is they left the summons on a, on law on the lawn. Oh wow. <laughs> at the house and no one could prove that it was taken maybe the wind took it yes you know so so the case was reversed for process on terms of a technicality but remember it's just a technicality the the responsibility for paying is still there so let's not try and run away on technicalities but rather let's try and present a solution which works and if the lawyers are not presenting all the information they they need to present you have a you have um, a, a valid case to, to basically go in front of a magistrate and say they're not telling you what you need to know. Mm. Um, I, the, the law is very sound. The process is very sound. But unfortunately, yes, there are um, players in the system who sometimes do take shortcuts or don't follow the due process. Mm. And it does prejudice a lot of people of their assets because losing a vehicle is a traumatic experience as it is regardless of the fact that you now hear it's been auctioned and you yeah. still owe them half a million rand. Gerald, as always, thank you very much for the insight. Much, much appreciated. No problem. Thank you very much. That is a Gerald Mwandiambira. I do hope that you find, if you find yourself, unfortunately, in such a situation, now you have the answers that you required. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.